Hi, praise the Lord. Uh, so glad that you guys are here joining us tonight as we continue our series on a very heavy subject, uh, forgiveness. Um, so I'm so glad that you could uh, join us tonight. Uh, what a beautiful um, fall day has been, and I'm so looking forward to uh, the colors of the leaves changing this morning. We actually went around and, uh, and hunted for leaves. So um, the kids, of course, were ecstatic about that. Uh, this is a nice uh, stage in life where they're excited about anything. So it, and it was fun. It was so much fun hanging around with them. Um, but tonight, um, I want to do a, um, an exegetical look at the chapter uh, of Matthew, uh, chapter 18, the whole chapter. Um, this is a Bible study, um, so we're going to go ahead and read kind of verse by verse and um, kind of dig in and, and see what is Matthew talking about in regards to forgiveness. Um, and I'm hoping that we take some things away from this. And that's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. It's alive and um, it just, it impacts everyone. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen so you can go ahead and see um hold on let me just share my apologies there we go i made sure it was nice and big um for those who um are, are have a difficult time seeing so um because we're gonna we're just gonna read we're gonna go from verse to verse um and kind of look at what is matthew saying about uh forgiveness and of course what is jesus saying about forgiveness um, so we'll go ahead and start, uh, of course, with verse one. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this is a very common subject. They always seem to be arguing about, uh, this is probably something you would have seen in the debates last night. Who is the greatest? Um, and of course, Jesus sees right through both of them. So he calls a child, verse two, by the way, I'm reading out of the net version. So you're aware of what version I'm reading. He called a child, had him stand among them and said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn around and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's such an interesting thing. If, if we don't become like children, we will not be able to see the kingdom of heaven. We will not be able to make it to heaven if we don't become like children. What does that mean? Does that mean we run around and you know, make fun of people and bully people left and right? No, no. I think this is talking about a child's, um, there's not as much pride in little children as there is in adults. Um, so <laughs> it's talking about pride. It's talking about, that childlike faith that um, you have in God. And um, so, you know, that's kind of what it's mentioning. It's talking about, you have to be like a child. You have to, you have to be um, open to, you know, God talking to you and open to the scriptures changing you. Verse four, whoever then humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is one who is like a little child. Pure faith, trust, 
not as much pride. I think that I can, kids can be a little bit prideful, but not as much pride. They're, they're, willing, uh, they're willing to listen to Jesus. And whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. Now remember, kids were not worshipped like they are here in our culture. Um, kids were actually expendable in the ancient culture. Um, you actually adopted older kids, adults, actually. Um, people didn't go around adopting little children or babies. They, there was no chance that they were going to make it. Um, the probabilities were not good. So you always wanted to an adopt an adult because most likely they're going to continue to be an adult and live a lot longer than a child would. So in this culture, children are not viewed or regarded very highly. And so Jesus, of course, is taking this vulnerable, marginalized group of people, these children, and saying, if you welcome these children, you also welcome me. But there's a point. There's a point. There's a point here why, why Jesus is talking about children. Watch verse 6. This is very important. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, whether that's causing temptation or you are the one who causes them to sin, you take action against them. It would be better for him to have a huge millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the open sea. It would be better, better to have a, a rock around your neck going to the bottom of the sea, suffocating. That would be better than what Jesus is going to do to you. Now watch this. Woe to the world because of the stumbling blocks. It is necessary that stumbling blocks come but woe to the person through whom they come. Are you a stumbling block? That's, that's a little question there for you as we're doing this Bible study. Now, are, you, are you a stumbling block to somebody? <laughs> are you causing someone to sin? Um, just think about that. Kind of reflect on that. Verse 8. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Because it is better for you to enter into life with one eye than to have two eyes to be thrown into the fiery hell. What are we talking about here? Is this literally... Are we maiming ourselves? Are we cutting our limbs? No, 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 no. This is figuratively. What is part of us is so close and dear to us that does not reflect the image of God that it is like cutting our hands off. A part that has to be cut off in order for us to continue to grow into the image of God. Okay. This isn't literal. This is figuratively, but it's just saying it's so close to us. It is such ingrained part of us. Sometimes it gets confused as our personality that we have to cut it off. And it feels like we're cutting off our limbs because it is so close to us. And there's a point here. We'll get to the point. Just, just, just stick with me. Okay. We got, we got a lot of chapters to read here. Um, so now we're in the, in, on verse 10. See that you do not disdain one of these little ones. Those little ones, what he's talking about, going back to the children. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If someone owns a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, 
Will he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go look for the one that went astray? How did they go astray? Someone caused him to go through a stumbling block. Someone caused sin. And now they have left the community. And here is Jesus. He's going to restore them back into the community. And if he, verse 13, finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice more over it than over the 99 that did not go astray. Verse 14, in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that one of these little ones should be lost. So we're talking about restoring people back to the community, restoring people back to the congregation, restoring people back to God. And here we are. Now we get to the meat of the matter. We're going to go ahead and look at verse 15. So it's, it's kind of like building up. It's here's Matthew talking, you know, you know, here's Jesus talking about children and, you know, we need to be like children. And, and then he talks about, you know, don't cause to be a stumbling block to these little children because, you know, it's better for you to jump into an ocean and, and drown than to deal with what I'm going to cause you to do in your life. And then we get to a part where it talks about maiming ourselves and, and cutting off our, lane, uh, our limbs. And, and, you know, now it's just kind of leading. Now it gets to the crust of the matter here, which is verse 15. Now watch this, verse 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault when two of you are alone okay so let me give me let me preface this okay this is talking about church relationship this isn't talking about people who do not have an understanding of god or the scriptures this is talking about the body of christ so just we have a clear idea we've been talking about forgiveness and um everyone has done a fantastic job of giving aspects of forgiveness here now we're talking about how does forgiveness look like inside the church dealing with our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. And here is the blueprint. If your brother sins, go show him his fault. So if somebody causes you an offense, if somebody hurts you and causes you to stumble, what are you supposed to do? Go to them and show them their fault when the two of you are alone. So you don't do this in public. You don't do this on Facebook. You don't do this on social media. This is something you do in person and you, when you are both alone, where you can talk to them in privacy, so in a private area, where you can go ahead and talk to them and mention what fault that was. If they listen to you, if he listens to you, you have gained, regained your brother. So this is, let's just say somebody does something terrible to you and and you know it's a bad offense and it's a legitimate offense because it still bothers you and it's been two or three months later. It's still nagging at you. It's still eating you away and it's bothering you. It's gotten to the point where you're avoiding this person in church. You don't want to see them in the lobby. You don't want to sit next to them. You don't want to talk about them. Every time their name is mentioned, a rush of anger or some type of an emotion just kind of makes you very mad about them. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about they said something crazy and you're like, okay, that's just them just being crazy. No, this is, this is a legitimate offense. This is something that hurts, okay? It is your responsibility not to sweep it under the rug and hold it in and get mad and bitter. It is your responsibility to go to them, explain what they have done, and ask for their forgiveness. 
I mean, that's what I'm assuming. That's what it means here. That's kind of the underlying thought here is you don't go and restore a relationship without forgiveness involved. But if he does not listen, this is the blueprint. Let's just say you go to them and they say, you know what? You're overreacting. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not going to apologize to you. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Then you take one or two others with you. So you take two other people, Christian brothers or sisters, not your family members. Hopefully we, we want to make sure this, there's no conflict of interest here. So obviously somebody that can come with you. So that the testimony of the two or three witnesses, every matter may be established. So then the fault is explained and then they explain their side and the two weigh in and say, you know what? You're right. You're overreacting or man, you know what? We're, I think you're not seeing something here. I think you need to apologize to them. Now, if he still refuses, he or she, this, this includes ladies too. This isn't just for men. If he or she refuses to listen to them, verse 17, tell it to the church. So now you go before the entire church. Now the entire body of Christ is weighing in on the matter and they're going to give their two cents and they're going to look at it. Each side is going to be explained and they're going to go ahead and, and, and figure out what's going on. And then they come to a consensus and say, you know what? We find that you are at fault and you do need to apologize to your brother or your sister because what you said was hurtful. Or, you know what? We found that you are overreacting and that you are not seeing the cultural differences or whatever it might be. Now, let's just say they get to that point. The church is consensus. Uh, they have consensus. They believe that it is your responsibility to apologize to this person. And if he refuses to listen to the church, treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. So now they have become something you don't want to become here. Because again, this is Matthew's account. Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. You don't want to be considered a Gentile. You don't want to be considered a tax collector. And there's two schools of thought about what this means. You would treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. One school of thought is that they just are not mature Christians anymore. Uh, you're going to look at them as somebody who's still a babe in Christ or something, somebody who just hasn't the full understanding of God and they just need to grow a great deal. So guess what? Any type of responsibility that they might've had is taken away from them because they're demonstrating that they have not become a disciple of Christ. Or, which I think is probably the most likely version here is that you excommunicate them. You kick them out of the community. Now, again, how many times does something like this happen? I mean, rarely does it happen. But, but we want to go ahead and look at the scriptures and, and see what it's talking about. So now they have to leave. They're excommunicated because we have to look at this. This Jewish culture, they would not have tolerated a Gentile in their midst, nor would they have tolerated a tax collector. They would have kicked them out because now you have completely refused to allow God to work in your life. You have refused constructive feedback and criticism, not negative, not um, you know, destructive. No, this is constructive. This is, they want you to be saved. They're worried about you. They love you. They want you to be restored back to the, to the relationship with them. But you have refused that. And you said, I am not willing to apologize. I have done nothing wrong. So guess what? 
You are left with your sin and you are sent off until you come to the realization of what you have done. That's pretty intense, right? This is a pretty intense reading about forgiveness here. Okay. Most, most, most of the time what happens is um, most of the time people just leave. Um, they just leave the church. They go to another church. Um, and what's sad is that they are not growing in Christ because they still are dealing with the same issues Church after church after church after church. They just keep going around, just keep going around. Well, this isn't the church for me. This isn't the church for me. God has spoke and I'm leaving. No, 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 no. See, this is this is this is a misconception we have. We have this belief that somehow God sends angels to speak to us, and these angels are the only ones that can go ahead and give us feedback for us to grow. No, God sends the body of Christ, He sends flawed flawed human beings to talk to you about your brokenness. And that's what's so crazy about the body of Christ. It's you have flawed individuals who have the audacity to come to you and tell you that you have done something wrong. But if you're like a little child, if you are willing to take the constructive feedback, if you're allowed to apologize and restore that relationship, I'm telling you, it is powerful. It is powerful. I have seen this work both ways where somebody just leaves, but I've also seen it come to fruition where they did it and everybody followed. The person apologized. They accepted their apology and the relationship was restored. See, there's something about forgiveness Yes, you can forgive somebody from a distance and say, I forgive you. Or you can restore that relationship. You can talk to them. You can talk about all the things that happen and restore that relationship. And sometimes, actually most of the times, it becomes stronger than it originally was. Because remember, the fall happened. We got separated from God because of sin. And God has worked his plan to restore relationship back to him, to restore his humanity, his creation back to him. But it's not just back to him. It's back to each other. Because during the fall, back in Genesis, not only did sin come into us, but it also broke down communication. We can't talk to one another. We talk to one another and, and we're offended left and right because we completely misunderstand what we're saying because we have lost communication. This is the process to restore that relationship. What was the original intent of relationships? This community, this authentic community of believers. This is what needs to happen to have community, to not be lonely, to not be isolated. We have to have discussions like this. And now watch this, verse 18. I tell you the truth. So this is, this is amen in Greek. It's also amen in Hebrew. Um, it is actually amen translated in all languages. It's saying truly pay attention. Listen to this. This is all important, but here's the critical part. 
All right, this is the critical part. Verse 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. And again, I tell you the truth. If the two of you on earth agree about whatever you ask, my father in heaven will do it. For there are two or three assembled in my name. I am there among them. Jesus is in this process. Jesus is speaking in this process. He's speaking to the congregation. He's speaking to the two individuals. This is what this, this is what the context is. Matthew is talking about forgiveness. And he's saying Jesus in the, is, is in the midst, making sure that the relationship is restored. Because remember, he left the 99 sheep to restore the one that had the offense back into community, back into relationship with one another. Because remember, there is forgiveness, but there's something else about restoring a relationship. And this is critical. This is incredibly critical because if I have done an offense against you and you have not taken it to come and tell me that I have caused you great harm, that you are avoiding me in church, you don't, you don't accept my friend request, you avoid me at the potluck, you don't talk to me, you always walk on the opposite side of me, you do everything you can to make sure you don't give eye contact to me because I have said something offensive. But if you do not talk to me, if you do not allow me to, to apologize, allow me to change, what a disservice. What happens if I go and commit it to somebody else? And that person might not be as strong and they leave. My dear brothers and sisters, it is our responsibility to help one another grow. Now, this isn't somebody being overly critical about everything. This isn't somebody who hates somebody vengefully and just wants him to fail at everything. No, no, no. This is, there's a love behind this. They're genuinely concerned. They're genuinely hurt. And you know, if it's a legitimate hurt, if it's still bothering you and it's been three or four months and you still can't stand the person or you still avoid them guess what that's a real hurt it is your responsibility to voice that to the other to the other disciple of christ i'm not speaking for the world i'm talking about the church it is your responsibility to mention that to them and say you know what i think what you did was wrong i had i had somebody on the the team mention something to me and I recognized that I was wrong. And I apologized to the individual that I took the offense to. Of course, the individual had no idea what I was talking about. But still, I, had, I wanted to apologize. I don't want the devil to come in and create all kinds of lies and separate and isolate my brothers and my sisters. That is the intention of the enemy. If we follow this process, I promise you, the devil is going to really lose a lot of his momentum here, okay? He's not going to divide the body of Christ as, as he's kind of doing right now. And then here we go. So now we get to verse 21. And this is heavy stuff. This is hard. This is hard stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying this is easy. It's like, it's like marriage. It's hard. That's why Paul says, you know, don't get married because marriage is hard. It's hard work. That's why 50% of marriages end in divorce because people don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to be committed and, and work out these differences and work out the sin as well as the personalities that are involved. 
It's hard work. This is hard work in relationships. Relationships are hard work because of the brokenness we live in. But again, this is talking about the church. All right, now verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times, Jesus said. Not seven times, I tell you, but 77 times. Jesus just says that, but he's just saying, if your brother or your sister comes and asks for your forgiveness and says, I am sorry for the offense that I have caused you, please, please forgive me. It is within your power to forgive them. And you should. You should forgive them. And here is where it gets interesting. Verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his slaves. And as he began to settle his accounts, a man who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him because he was not able to repay it. And the Lord ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, whatever he possessed, and repayment to be made. Then the slave threw himself to the ground before him. And he asked, be patient with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord had compassion on that slave. And he released him and he forgave him his debt. After he went out, of course, he did not follow the same process. And then he was brought back and he was thrown into the dungeon. So yes. We should forgive because you have been forgiven. Do you not know what he has done for you? When he died on that cross, do you not know the multitude of sins he has forgiven you? You of all people should know how important this forgiveness is. And guess where we all are? We are not the other servant who has 10, you know, five talents, whatever it might be. We're the 10,000 talents. We're the ones we have so much we owe that we thank him for that forgiveness. Remember, the Christian message is about forgiveness. It's about forgiving and being accepted by God, asking and repenting, asking for forgiveness, asking God for forgiveness and him restoring us back to him. This same process applies to others as well. God wants to restore a right relationship with others. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in your brother's life. And this is, this is more powerful. We just read about what you're, whatsoever you bound on earth will bound in heaven. I've heard that preached so many times about the miraculous and God and healings. And this is talking about forgiveness. Do you know pulling somebody out of a wheelchair and having God heal their legs is one thing, but restoring a broken relationship back with you is even more powerful than that. Because one involves you and God, having faith that God will do it and God doing it. The other involves not only God in you, but it involves somebody else. It's that much more difficult. It's that much more powerful. Restoring that relationship. So yes, forgive. But my dear brothers and sisters, let us restore these relationships that have been severed and broken due to sin. Let us clear the air. Most of the time, it's a misunderstanding. At times, yes, there is a fault. 
And the person and the individual needs to recognize that and cut off their hand that is so intricately part of them. If they are willing to be part of the process, are you willing to be part of this process of the transformative process of watching God work in us? Because remember, the only way God's going to work through us is through our midst. He is in our midst. He is working in our midst and he is using each and every one of us to build each other and to tear things off, to cut things off that are hindrances, that are part of broken relationships that are generational curses. See, there's people running around and they're, they're just doing what their dad did and their grandfather and their great-grandfather did. And there has never been a broken chain because there hasn't been somebody who went and talked to them and said, do you know what you're doing is wrong? Do you know we need to change? God has something better for you. And then it breaks that chain. It breaks that cycle. You are restored and you are healed. And that relationship is healed. And heaven rejoices and it's loosed in heaven. That's how powerful forgiveness is. That's how powerful forgiveness is. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure I'm, I'm going over my notes, make sure I covered everything. Um, restoring a relationship. Yes. I haven't truly seen this process being done in very many churches. Most churches are concerned about collecting people um, and saying, look at our numbers on Sunday morning. Look how many showed up. Look how many, look how packed we are. Look at our crowds. But you're at Newark. And at Newark, we're not so interested in numbers. We're interested in quality. We want to restore not only your relationship with God, but with, with each other. We want you to break these bondage. And to be free. Allow God to move in our midst. Please, my dear brothers and sisters, please allow us to grow. It is like cutting your hand or gouging your eye out and you're going to have to swallow your pride. I'll give a quick little testimony. Let me see how much time I have. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll just do a quick testimony. When I first came to church, you know, God was working with me and, and I was completely arrogant, incredibly arrogant. And this process started in my life. And I came to the realization how arrogant I was. I mean, it was to the point where um, I couldn't stand being around the church. I couldn't stand hearing God. And I just, it got to the point, I'm like, what is going on with me? And then I realized part of me had to die. That was, that was so hard. Two months, I, I was, you know, skulking and I was sad and I just, you know, I was just crying and God was just dealing with me and, and people gave me space because they saw God working and, and um, the individual who talked to me, thank God they talked to me. Thank God I saw their spirit behind. It wasn't a, a malicious, it wasn't a destructive spirit. It wasn't a jealousy spirit. It was, there, there was, there was concern. There was love. They wanted me 
to be restored. They wanted me to grow because they saw potential in me. They saw God working in me. They said, this is going to hinder you. And guess what? It was like cutting your arm off. But God allowed me to see the error of my ways. Now I'm just like a child. Just walking around. I have no pride anymore. I do have pride, but um, with kids, it's it's kind of disappeared. But um, but I am receptive. I'm receptive. I know I'm not perfect, and I'm willing to grow because I want to make it to heaven. I would rather make it to heaven, missing an arm, than than go to hell with both. I mean, essentially, that's what Matthew is saying. It's saying, are you willing to suck up your pride? and and see the error of your ways and you could not be wrong i mean if the if two or three people are gathered together and they say you know what no that this person there's obviously something else going on with this person um then you know you're free to go but but trust the process trust this process this is the blueprint we have to be like a child you know we we have to cut parts of ourselves off not not literally figuratively um that need to be cut off so that we could break the bondage of sin that is is inside of us that we need to put these new behaviors these new things that is what god wants amen so joyce i don't know um if we have any questions of course i i am willing to take questions and uh joyce will go ahead and um answer some of those uh, i don't know if you have any questions so far that have come through yes that... yes we do thank you Arash. so Okay, there are two questions, but I'm going to combine them because they're kind of similar. So uh, let me see. The first one, how are you supposed to deal with someone if they keep avoiding you and you don't even know what they, why they're doing that? And then the second part, um, how do you reconcile in that case if they're just seemingly unwilling? Oh, so what Matthew says and what we see, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18 is that we involve another person and then we bring the other person involved in the situation to clear the air. What is going on? Um, if they still refuse and um, they want nothing to do with you, um, then unfortunately they have decided not to grow. Um, and what Matthew says is that we have to treat them like a tax collector. So, uh, for all probably was like a pagan. Um, so hopefully that this person, whoever they might be is willing to hear you out. Again, this is for church. I want to make sure we, we clarify this. This isn't the workplace, um, because people do not have the same understanding that we do. We come with a biblical lens. We, we, we trust that God is King and that the scriptures are all true and that we live our lives according to them. Now, if somebody doesn't believe in the scriptures, you're not going to do this process because they're they're just going to say, well, you're wrong and I'm right and walk away. Um, but again, this is about close relationships inside the church where, um, uh, yeah, and if they're avoiding you, then you have to involve somebody else and, and somebody else has to go and somebody, uh, particularly not as a conflict of interest, but somebody who's trustworthy that um, carries a great deal of respect uh, into the matter to be able to restore that relationship. Hopefully that answers the question. Yes, it does. Um, 
so I know you mentioned that practice of reconciliation with believers, but what about unbelievers? So like, how do we handle them? Um, with unbelievers, um, uh, you can forgive them. You can, uh, be wise as serpents and, you know, speak your mind. I don't think, um, turning to the other cheek is talking about violence, but not so much our, our words. Um, I mean, yes, we, we are called to justice and, um, we do need to speak, you know, we are wise as serpents We're you know, harmless as doves, but are wise as serpents. So yes, we do need to, uh, if there's an injustice, we do need to communicate that, um, and see whatever channels there might be. Um, uh, but restoring their relationship, I, I don't know. You could try this process, but uh, I mean, uh, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees even in the body of Christ because people, people leave. Um, unfortunately, people just go to another church. They just avoid uh, conflict. 95% of us don't like conflict. Um, and so they avoid it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with themselves. They don't want to deal with their sin. Um, and so they go do something else. They go to another church where they are not growing, unfortunately. So, but yes, with unbelievers, um, uh, you know, of course you, you do want to speak your mind with them um, if it's safe to do so um, and, 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 you know, see what they say, but um, just pray for God to help you in this situation and <laughs> for healing and, and um, for God to help you find a way to uh, deal with the situation. Um, I know I, uh, I had a particular individual from work that was causing me a lot of grievances and, um, um, we were able to finally work it out three years later. Um, but it was after I changed jobs. So, um, <laughs> that tells you about how that works. Um, so yes, it's with unbelievers, it's a little bit more difficult. That is correct. Um, why do you think it's so difficult for us to go directly to the person who offended us and let them know that they wronged us? Um, part of it is we think it's us. We're overreacting. Um, oh, you're just, it's fine. It's, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. But it bothers us. I mean, it's still, it's still in our spirit. It's still you know if it's something legit because if it's if it's three or four months later and it's still bothering you and you're avoid it's it's causing you to affect your relationship with this other person um yes you need to communicate your grievances um in the right spirit it's not like you're you know you're coming down on them and saying you're a terrible person but just hey you know what that thing you did or whatever you said it it just caused a great deal of hurt in me um, and go from there and see what happens, um, and see if, if they listen to you. Um, for the most part, most people are going to be like, oh, I did. I'm sorry. I, I didn't even know that, you know, they just, cause people have, people don't know. People don't know. I mean, people are not self-reflective. It's uh, self-reflection is a very, it's a, it's a, it's an acquired skill. You, no one's just self-reflective. Um, so, so yes, they, they might recognize it. They might not. They might turn against you and say, well, I think you're being ridiculous. And how important is this relationship to you? Well, there's other people I can talk to. Well, no, just get another individual, so, you know, someone of your friends to sit down and, and see what's going on and see if you can restore this relationship. Because it's important. It's important. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I have to, 
I have to be able to recognize what's coming at me, you know, preaching the gospel. If it's the word that's affecting you, um, that's the word. That's not, that's not coming from the individual who's preaching the word. The word is bothering you because uh, God is working in you. Um, and sometimes you are a, a bullseye. You are, people are angry at God. And of course they can't take it out on God. So they take it out on you. So that might be part of it as well. So you have to recognize what is really going on. Um, again, you have to be self-reflective. You have to reflect and see, is this really a legitimate offense? Is this, um, I mean, just jealous of this individual? Is this deep hatred? Is this something from my past that's bothering me? Or it's a legitimate offense. It, uh, you know, it's, it's, they have sinned against me and I, I do need to reconcile this because if you don't, uh, they're going to keep doing it. And, and it's not their fault that no one has told them that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, cause let's, let's face it. Most people just don't know. Um, they just don't, or they do know and they just choose to ignore it. But if someone is, if they have the spirit of God inside of them and, and they're, they're trying to make a right relationship, they, I mean, they will, they will be receptive to true disciples. Yes. So, yeah. um, do we have a responsibility to step in? So in, in some fashion, when we notice issues between members of the body that are not being dealt with. Um, we, we should encourage the individual to reconcile this and talk to the individual. Um, but it's going to have to be up, up to them. Because um, it's their offense, um, it, you know. You you should encourage them. You should um, say, "I could be the third or fourth person if you want me to be." <laughs> um, uh, because it's 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 sad. It's sad because we're not going to have true community. We're not going to have authentic community. Everybody wants it. We're built for it, but we just don't want to do the work. Um, and it is work. It is work. Um, so it's, 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 it's a loss really. If, if we don't, um, say something to say, Hey, you know, is everything going okay? Um, uh, oh yes, there's something going on. Okay. Well, maybe you should talk to this individual. Um, you know, a lot of times it's, uh, the pastor, well, maybe you should talk to the pastor. Um, well, no, they're going to hate me. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not. Um, if they do, then there's something wrong with them that there's, that they have issues that they need to work out with. Um, but no, most of the time, no, there, there's this usually misunderstanding or um, something was communicated wrong, you know, intentions. Um, so are misinterpreted. So, um, but yeah, just encourage them. And, and that's all you can and can do because technically it's, it's, it's their responsibility. It's part of their growth as a disciple uh, to be able to do this because there's going to be somebody else that's going to do something else. There's going to be somebody else. There's going to be somebody else. There's going to be somebody else. And soon it builds up and then you walk away and you miss out on God and you miss out on what God is doing. So, um, unfortunately it's, it's, this is part of the discipleship process. We, we should be willing to talk to people. I think you mentioned the word working in people a little bit ago. Yeah. So have you ever seen a case where someone was offended um, and they wouldn't go and talk to the person, but because of the preached word, it really helped to mend things? 
Yes, I have seen that happen where um, they were incredibly offended, uh, recommended to go talk to the individual. Uh, they did not. Um, and then eventually God did uh, work in their life and they were able to do it. But, you know, there's this misconception right now that somehow time heals all wounds and time does not heal all wounds. Sometimes it doesn't and it bubbles, it surfaces. Um, and whenever something wrong, is, another wrong thing is said, it all those emotions come flooding right back. And you can bottle up stuff as much as you want and you could sweep it under the rug as much as you want, but it is going to come out. Um, it's just better just to deal with it, uh, be transparent, have a right spirit. Don't go <laughs> yelling, and guns blazing, but just have a right spirit, pray, say, God, be in our midst, have a right spirit. And, uh, and it's incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable because you're being vulnerable. Remember our, our, our first series, we talked about vulnerability and, and, and uh, you know, I was naked Remember that entire series. It's, uh, that's what it is. You're like a child, you're vulnerable. And you're going to humble yourself and say, um, you know, uh, did you know you did this to me? So it's, it's, it's hard work. I'm not saying, again, I, I, out of all the churches, I, I don't see this being practiced. So <laughs> people kind of ignore it, um, and which is sad because then we don't really truly have an authentic and um, a close community. And I think, I think God really wants that. I think, and I've seen it again, I've seen the process work and it literally, it's incredibly powerful. Um, uh, recently, maybe three or four years ago, I see, I saw this happen and it literally just shifted, um, everything. Um, I mean, just, and God moved and I mean, it was incredibly powerful. You know, the relationship was restored and it revealed, you know, past hurts and, you know, just it, all this stuff bubbles up that, you know, that we're, we're all, we're all carrying all this stuff with us. You know, we're, no one's perfect. Everybody has all kinds of issues and, and, um, and relationships bring stuff out. And so, and that's what it is. That's what it means to be in the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's commitment, working this thing, working it out, working it out until, um, until we make it to heaven. Well, you mentioned that if a person does not accept growth um, and they're not working toward a resolution, then they're like pagans. But Jesus accepted all people, including pagans. So shouldn't we still accept them? That's correct. Um, yes, Jesus accepted all kinds of people. Um, however, what I, how I read Matthew um, and what Jesus is talking there is that if if they're not willing to reconcile, it, 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 I mean, it's, it's pretty extreme measures. Again, this is pretty extreme. No one's, I, I've never seen it go before the entire church, maybe once in my life out of 15, 20 years I've been serving God. But, but if they're not willing after the entire congregation's like, you're wrong, you need to apologize. And they say, no, that you all are wrong most likely they're just going to leave because they already feel ostracized. They just feel that you guys don't want them. Well, that's not the case. We want you to grow. We want you to develop that relationship. Um, and if you're not willing to work, if you're not willing to do that, then, then yes, you know, goodbye. Try your luck somewhere else because 
here we're, we're, we're trying to build a community. We're trying to build an authentic community. Now, even if they stay, um, I mean, they're not going to be involved. Um, they're not going to feel connected. So it's not that you're kicking them out. They'll, they'll naturally just leave. Because if you don't feel connected to the church, if you don't feel connected relationally to anybody in the church, you're not going to stick around. Um, you don't have a community. You, you, you're low. Everybody's lonely. People need relationships. It's not enough to be married. It's not enough to have kids. You have to have authentic relationships with others. And if they don't have that, they, they'll just naturally leave. So you don't have to kick them out. People just, I mean, they just, they just go on their own. And, and again, so I've, I've never seen anybody get excommunicated. Um, so usually people just go to another church um, during, after the second process. So what effect will there be within the church body as a whole if this grievance process is just totally ignored? If it's totally ignored? Yes. They won't have authentic community. They won't have true restoration of relationships um and people will have a surface relationship and think that that is what god has for them and i'm telling you right now god has so much more it's it's really sad it's like saying you know god saying i have this phenomenal feast for you and people decide to just get fries and just go eat on the side and they miss out on this banquet of relationships where um, you can lean on one another. You can, you know, you can trust one another because when this happens and the person recognizes they're wrong and they are restored, it completely changes the relationship. You're now closer than my brother. <laughs> I trust you more than I trust my wife. I mean, this is, this is the kind of restoration we're talking about where, where it, there's this, this amazing thing. I mean, it's, it just blows my mind. We, we miss out on what God truly has for us. We, God's like, God's like, I can, I can, you know what? You have all kinds of issues that are affecting your marriage. You have all kinds of issues that are affecting you raising your kids. And I can take care of all that. If you'll just let me, you know, let me just work through these things, work through people and, you know, the preach word and people to, to, um, for you to recognize these things. So I think they just miss out. They just miss out on, on amazing relationships, unfortunately. So why do you think churches ignore God's plan for forgiveness and restoration? It's hard work. It's uncomfortable. Um, we're individualistic. Forgiveness is seen as between you and God instead of seeing it collectively with relationally with others, which is how the biblical, um, world saw it was everything's connected. Um, and so we're just this individualistic culture where we think that it's just me and God and, you know, we're going to be just fine. And unfortunately that's, that's very sad life. Um, and God has so much more if we're willing to see what he's trying to do. He's, he's trying to restore relationships. He wants us to have amazing friends inside the church. 
and um, people that we trust and people that we can talk to and um, and nothing brings people closer together than a misunderstanding and having forgiveness involved in the process. Uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful because then, it, then if there's another one, then it's, it's already, it, it doesn't feel awkward. You've done this before. So it's not like this is your first rodeo. So you automatically say, Hey, did, did, did I say something that, you know, and they're like, Oh yes, he said this thing, but it's, it's not you. It's, it made me think of my dad. He used to say something like that, or he used to make me think of my grandfather. They say something like that. And then, and this beautiful thing happens where you start, you know, you have you don't have a surface relationship anymore. You have a, a deep, deep relationship where you truly understand somebody. Um, so I think we just miss out. I can agree to that. Yeah. Because you feel more open to talk to them. You feel like they were so receptive. They were so receptive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're really and, easy to talk to. And then the devil comes in and tries to spread lies and you're like, Yes. whatever devil you're, I know I know this individual I can I, I can and then eventually gets to the point where you just you completely understand them and they completely understand you and and um there's not as much offense because you kind of understand what they're trying to say and <laughs> so it, it it builds the relationship builds absolutely some people yeah. make it very easy you know they're very approachable and easy yes. to just or you can work out things so it's not a big issue yes also. yes um, well, if I can ask a question, going back to um, the beginning of Matthew 18, how can we become more childlike as it relates to the kingdom? It's our pride. It's our pride. We have to, we have to put our pride aside and we have to listen to God. I mean, it's, and, and be willing to say that we are wrong. And it's not the end of the world. Um, and, and that's kind of what it is, just, just being, uh, or having the courage to say something to somebody because you, they're important to you. Ultimately, that's what it is. This is, this is, a, this is an act of love. They're so important to you. You don't want to lose this relationship. I, I mean, they're a big deal in your life and you want them to stay in your life. Um, you're, you're, yeah, you're going to bring things up. You're going you're gonna to want to make sure you clear the air and see what's going on about uh, something and this misunderstanding um and it's and it's worth it uh, unfortunately if they, if they don't want to accept the process then it's, it's their loss they're not going to have authentic community and, and i just pray for them that god would um, bring them back and 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 for them to realize you know what there is something better um because remember our world right now they're all about surface relationships it's not about this deep deep lasting relationship where um, you know, you know each other's thoughts and you, you respect one another and uh, you can be yourself in front of people. I mean, you can talk frankly and, and not be misunderstood. I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge uh, um, to have that in your life. I mean, how many men my age have friends? Um, you know, it was sad. I was working at Starbucks, one of my favorite jobs. I was there for four years. Um, and, um, and I, I, uh, I would always, I loved it because I, you know, I'm such a human observation kind of guy. I like to watch how people are interact. And, and there was these two guys, they would come in and they'd have coffee and they just sit. And two things went into my mind. One is that they're dating or two, that they're Christian and that they're, um, having a Bible study. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, they're just 
you know, war buddies. And I mean, that, that, that's my perception, um, it, which is a sad perception for men. Uh, and yeah, it turns out they were, um, they go to the same church and they sit and they just talk about um, their crazy teenagers and how to deal with them. Uh, their wife not understanding what they're coming from and then each kind of helping each other out. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. They're phenomenal guys, phenomenal guys. Uh, I think God allowed me to see that, to see, uh, Arash, you need something like this in your life. So, <laughs> cause I can't be a loner. I'm kind of a loner kind of guy. So, so I was like, that's, that's, wow, that's pretty cool. So I, it, it did break, open up my eyes, but that's the kind of relationship we're talking about this, you know, and the hurt happens in that kind of relationship. Yes, we do need to mention it, bring it up. Um, I mean, yes, if the individual is receptive, you don't need to involve other people. They'll, they'll say, maybe you're, maybe you're right. I'm wrong. And, 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 and the relationship kind of continues. But um, again, these are extremes. We're, we're dealing with extremes here. Well, I think we're actually done with our questions. So do you have any closing remarks? This is hard work. This is hard work. Uh, being a Christian is not something simple where you just accept God and you just read the scriptures and you just make sure that your attendance is taken care of. No, this being a Christian it is work. It's serious work, but it's worth it. it. This is how we're meant to be. We are designed to have relationships that are more intimate than just the surface relationship we have with others. This is a, and I'm using that word intimate in the sense of, 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 of transparency with one another and, and being able to be frank with one another instead of hiding things. And, um, and uh, you know, again, this, uh, most churches don't do this. So um, I hope by preaching about it and talking about it, that we, that we do take this pra into practice. And um, if I've done something you need to, is your responsibility to tell me that <laughs> I've offended you or something, you know, <laughs> help me, help me to know that. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I want to end it here. So, and yeah, pretty much it. Do you have any, anything else you want to say, Joyce? Or? Um, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, it's okay. It's just um, what I was thinking kind of, we just mentioned it already, but I know when I first met Antoine, he kind of taught me about forgiveness. You know, because he made it so easy. If I was upset with him, he was so receptive and so so quick to apologize. Yeah. And honestly, I had never really seen that before. <laughs> I guess it's bad to say it. <laughs> um, so once again, I think even when we do it, we set an example for other people. Yes. You know, so he really taught me. He helped me a lot in that area. And of course, I wanted to do that for him in return. And it, and it shows you're, you're a mature saint. This is something that mature saints do. This isn't, babies don't do this. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing when you see it demonstrated. Um, it just becomes part of your life now. And, and to be frank, the world loves it. They, they like people who are, who are transparent and who are willing to accept criticism, uh, be able to give constructive feedback, not you know, yelling at people, but um, people, pe the world loves that. They, they like people like that. So especially right now. Yeah. Especially right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who are you? <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, um, we'll let everybody go and don't forget to catch us tomorrow. Uh, as we continue this, um, amazing theme of forgiveness. 
Thank you. Bye, guys. Good night.